You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell that Locked On sent you. It is Thursday, April 1st, and today we have a fantastic show lined up for you. I'm your host, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. Today on the podcast, we'll preview Gonzaga's Final Four showdown with UCLA. And there's nobody in the world who can talk about a UCLA Gonzaga game better than Sean Farnham. Sean went to and played for UCLA, and he's called more Gonzaga games for TV over the last decade than anybody not named Heister, Dickow, and Fox. So he'll be on the show today to discuss how UCLA got to the Final Four and if there's any way at all that they can shock Gonzaga and get to the national championship. But we start today with some news and notes. A few loose ends first from the Gonzaga-USC game. Gonzaga is now beating tournament opponents by an average of 24 points. The six-game record for a national champion is 21.5. So Gonzaga is on pace for currently the largest margin of victory by a national champion, but they've got two games to go. They are the fourth team since that legendary 1976 undefeated Indiana group to reach the Final Four unbeaten. 1979, Indiana State, it was led by Larry Bird. Famously, it was 33-0 before they lost to Magic Johnson and Michigan State in the national title game. To this day... That game remains the highest Nielsen rating of any basketball game in United States history. 1991, Jerry Tarkanian's UNLV Running Rebels group, Stacey Ogman, Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony, they won the title the year before against Duke in 1990. They're looking to repeat in 1991, but they lost in the national semifinal in a rematch against Duke. Uh, they were 34-0 at the time. And then the most recent one was 2015 Kentucky. They entered the Final Four 38-0 before losing in the national semifinals to Frank Kaminsky and Wisconsin. And now fast forward to 2021. Gonzaga enters 30-0, and they're looking to match that 1976 Indiana team with a 32-0 record. They've got two games left to win starting Saturday against UCLA, and then hopefully uh, with a win, they'll face the winner of Baylor and Houston. Gonzaga often gets compared, it seems like, to... The 2009 North Carolina team and the 2018 Villanova teams from this generation uh, with how dominant they've been in the tournament. So um, compared to those two teams, I'll go through some numbers of the first four opponents that they faced in the tournament. That 2018 Villanova team outscored their first four opponents by 73 points. North Carolina in 2009 outscored their first four opponents by 90 points. And Gonzaga this year in 2021 has outscored their first four opponents by 96 points, which is a new level of dominance, beating out North Carolina's 90 and Villanova's 73. Gonzaga baseball, they got a three-game series starting tonight against Pacific. Uh, Gonzaga's one game out of first in the WCC currently. Pacific is at the bottom of the standings, so it's a good chance for Gonzaga to take two or three games and hold firm at the top of the WCC standings. Alec Jacob will get the start tonight. Gabriel Hughes will start on Friday. William Kempner starting on Saturday. Uh, tonight's game is on SWX for those in the Spokane area, and all three games can be streamed on the WCC network. 
uh, Major League Baseball opening day also today. Uh, so if you're interested in some Gonzaga baseball, uh, find it online. In WCC basketball news, LMU had a huge day on Wednesday. Uh, the biggest news was that Eli Scott is returning to school. Two-time WCC uh, All-League player, averaging double figures three of his four years in Los Angeles, including uh, close to 18 a game this past season. And the reason he said that he came uh, back to LMU is that he wants to help lead LMU to an NCAA tournament appearance. And that may not be super, super far-fetched with the talent that returns and also what they're bringing in. And that starts with who they got in the transfer portal yesterday, and that's Cameron Shelton. Uh, LMU got the uh, 6'2 transfer guard from Northern Arizona. Uh, he led the big sky in scoring this season in 19 a game. He is just, he really, really is one of the, the better scoring guards on the West Coast this season. And LMU's biggest issue this past year was their overall guard play. They had good forwards, they had really good size, uh, but they just didn't have great scoring guards. And so Shelton is immediately going to become their starting point guard. And they also added Quan Marble, who was one of Wyoming's lead guards in the Mountain West. So they're getting a big sky guard, they're getting a Mountain West guard. Uh, Quan Marble averaged nine and a half points a game in just 23 minutes. And he's a really, really good slasher. So you got a really good overall score in uh, Cameron Shelton, and then you've got a really good slasher in Quan Marble. They can play with each other. Uh, Marble could back up Shelton, um, but they've definitely got options. Uh, and Marble's got two years of eligibility left when he gets to LMU. So the Lions get two very experienced, really good guards, and they retain their best player in Eli Scott. They also have Gary Harris Jr. coming in from Siena, who's another big-bodied guard. All of that, plus Kelly Leapipe returns and Joe Quintana return. They should get uh, Demean Douglas back from injury, and uh, they have an all-freshman team guard in Jalen Anderson who played well for them down the stretch. So um, they also have a three... Stan Johnson loves his recruiting class next year. It's a three-player recruiting class. All of them are, for, are local kids from Southern California. So to me, I don't think it's out of the question to think that LMU enters next season with probably the second or third most talented roster in the WCC. Um, I think obviously we're going to have to wait to see what happens with BYU. They've got four guys in the transfer portal currently, but the more pressing issue is their guard situation. Uh, Alex Barcelo was a senior. Brandon Everett was a senior. And so they desperately need replacements for those guys if they're not going to take advantage of their extra year. So we'll see what happens with BYU's roster. Uh, St. Mary's returns pretty much, not pretty much, they return their entire team now that Tommy Cousy is coming back. They're going to be improved because they're going to be healthy. They've got a couple shooters that are coming back from injury. They'll get a year of development from their guys. I trust Randy Bennett to uh, keep that team in the top three or four of the standings. Pepperdine, they're going to lose Colby Ross and Kessler, Kessler Edwards most likely. So they're just, they're going to have to take a step back just because those are two really, really, really good players. So I think LMU has a pretty good chance to actually finish third in the league next season. They actually finished third in the league this season as well. Uh, but the schedule was so unbalanced that they had more team, more games than other teams, less than some. So um, next year, I think, if I had to guess right now, I'd probably put them in the top three just because I'm not sure what BYU and St. Mary's roster looks like, and I really, really like what LMU has. Um, but I think it's really, really good for the growth of the league that LMU continues their upward trajectory. Coming up, I'm going to give a few words of my own on the UCLA Final Four matchup. 
Uh, and then Sean Farnham is going to join us, and he's going to talk about the Bruins, he's going to talk about the Zags, and he's going to talk about the revival of the West Coast and West Coast basketball that we've seen in the NCAA tournament. But first, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I don't want to steal all of Sean Farnham's thunder, so I'll save most of the UCLA content for him. What I will do is just kind of give you a quick rundown of UCLA's personnel and who they're going to throw out on the court against Gonzaga. Um, but first, some general stuff. Like I said yesterday, UCLA's gotten here with two overtime wins and another win that they, they beat Michigan by a basket. Michigan had multiple looks in the final minute of that game that could have either tied it or won it for them, and they couldn't uh, capitalize. So UCLA's been outshot from the floor in four of the five games, but they're 5-0, and and they're playing their best basketball of the season. Our friends over at uh, Three Man Weave, They've got a stat regarding UCLA's ability to just get scorching hot at one point during the game. Um, And it's been that one stretch that's just been enough for them to win uh, a lot of these contests. So over an eight and a half minute stretch towards the end of the first half against Michigan, UCLA scored 23 points on 14 possessions, which is a whopping 1.64 points per possession. And then the game of four, Over the final uh, 12 minutes of the first half against Alabama, UCLA scored 33 points on 18 possessions, which is 1.83 points per possession. So they have the ability to kind of go in spurts. And uh, the problem is that they're going to need that kind of production for much, much longer sustained stretches if they're going to compete with Gonzaga. Luckily, they've got three guys who can, you know, light it up on the scoreboard uh, whenever they need to. And it starts with Johnny Juzang. And he has been the main reason why they've won five straight and they've jumped from 45 in Ken Palm to 15 in Ken Palm. He's averaging 21.6 points in the tournament and he's only got three turnovers in five games, which is pretty darn good. Their point guard is Tiger Campbell. Uh, he averages nine a game, but he's a really, really good slasher, gets into the paint, distributes really well, and he's been one of their best perimeter defenders in the tournament. There are two other wings to go along with Johnny Juzang are Jules Bernard and Jaime Jaquez. Bernard is averaging 11 points in the tournament, and he was one of the better three-point shooters in the regular season. And then Jaime Jaquez, he was the MVP against Michigan State. He had 27 points in that game, 
Um, he's been averaging 14 in the tournament, but he has a really, really, really good assist to turnover ratio at 14-3. So Juzang and Jaquez and Bernard, they're basically, I don't want to say they're the same player, but they're all kind of the same build. They're all 6'6 and you know, 210, 215 pounds. And they can all drive it. They can all spot up and shoot. They're all really solid rebounders. So those are the three guys, Juzang, Jaquez, and Bernard. All three of them are going to have to have big scoring outputs for them to have a chance against Gonzaga. Their big man is six foot nine, Cody Riley. He averages eight points a game in the tournament, but he fouled out trying to guard Hunter Dickinson on Tuesday. Uh, Michigan... In the start of the second half, for about a 10-minute stretch, all they really did was just get the ball to Dickinson, and that helped them get back into the game, which it was pretty weird that they really didn't go back to that uh, in the final five to seven minutes because that was kind of their bread and butter that gave them the lead, and it they kind of just chucked up a bunch of threes towards the end. But Riley had a hard time guarding Dickinson uh, in that game, and I imagine he will have similar problems trying to face uh, Drew Timmy. David Singleton is one of the guards they'll bring off the bench. He is their best three-point shooter in the regular season, going 47% from behind the arc. And he scored 15 points against Alabama coming off the bench. Jalen Clark, he's a freshman guard. He doesn't score it a whole lot, but he will attack the offensive glass relentlessly. And then they've got a couple of backup bigs who are very, very inexperienced, and they only play meaningful minutes when Riley's in foul trouble. The problem is that Cody Riley does get into foul trouble a lot, so they have to play more than what I imagine Mick Cronin would like them to play. And then they've got Jake Hyman, also comes off the bench. He loves to check up threes. But for the most part, it's their starting five, and it's David Singleton who do the, the majority of their scoring. Like I said, I think the only way that UCLA competes in this game is if Juzang and Bernard and Hawkes all go for 20-plus points on the same night. They're going to have a lot of trouble guarding Drew Timmy, and I think Tiger Campbell, even though he's been really good in this tournament, he's only five foot eleven, and I think he's going to have issues going against the much much bigger Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nemhard, just like Taj Eady did uh, for USC. But look, I mean UCLA, they take after their coach. They're scrappy as hell. Uh, Mick Cronin has these dudes believing. Uh, he has them playing their tails off. And they've had a bunch of injuries at the start of the season. They had some departures. Uh, Deshaun Nix, who was a five-star guard, was supposed to go to the program, and he got poached by the G League. Um, so it took them a little while to figure out who they are. And obviously, uh, they're playing their best basketball right now, and they're playing as good as anyone, which is why they're in the Final Four. Speaking of those injuries and departures, Sean Farnham. He will stop by next to talk about how UCLA has come together despite all of that and how they made this miraculous run from first four to final four. The UCLA alum and one of Gonzaga fans' favorite broadcasters is coming up. But first, if you want to bet on any of the final four action, betonline.ag is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. College basketball, the NBA, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. 
Build Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. The flavorful four is on its way down to two. Cookie Dough Chunk is already in the title game, but who will it go up against? Go to BuiltBar.com or go to at bar underscore built on Twitter to find out who makes the championship. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Football fans, are you ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak as they give you their latest positional rankings and analysis on 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. There's nobody better to bring on the show than the man who knows both of these programs like the back of his hand. Spokane's adopted son, Sean Farnham, joins us now. Sean, before we talk about the two teams, let's talk about West Coast basketball. Pac-12 had three Elite Eight teams were guaranteed to have a West Coast team represent in the national championship. How excited have you been watching the West Coast represent the last couple of weeks? Uh, it's, it's been just transformational, to be honest with you. And, you know, even to a certain extent, like uh, all four teams, are west of the Mississippi. That's the first time ever in Final Four history that we're having a Final Four with all four teams west of the Mississippi. Uh, that, that's pretty historic. Uh, and, and more importantly, coming out of a global pandemic, it shows that West Coast basketball can be relevant, that you can get the visibility that you want, that you can have the success that you want. And I think that's going to that's gonna pay off in the recruiting front uh, for a lot of these schools that have not enjoyed the sim- same kind of success that Gonzaga has had as as the top program in the West region of the United States for the last 20 years. Uh, UCLA had their run of three straight Final Fours, which was awesome. It's great to see the Bruins back. I know we'll talk about that matchup in a little bit. But even programs like Oregon State, uh, Oregon, USC getting there, uh, it just bodes well for the Pac-12, which bodes well to garnering more attention to the West region of the United States, regardless of the success of Gonzaga. And they, uh, they have gotten there just to, I think they've gotten credit all season long. What stands out to me is if you want the national media, the national narrative to focus on the West region of the United States, no offense to the West Coast Conference, it's going to start with the Pac-12. And if the Pac-12 is down, then that's kind of like the the idea of the entire West region of the United States, regardless of how great Gonzaga is. And and Gonzaga can be a dis-elite like we've seen all season long, and they get their credit, but then everybody that they play or, or anybody that's in the West Coast, we just look at it and go, oh, they're just not good, they're not good. This changes all of that, I think. It really does. And I think UCLA's win last night against Michigan uh, is a transformational win for the program. It's an announcement that they're back. You think about Mick Cronin. This is his first NCAA tournament uh, with UCLA because there was no tournament last year. And he has them in the Final Four. And they've already had five NCAA tournament wins. That's insane. From the first four all the way to the Final Four. Um, And and so the, the light gets shined a little bit out west. I think that's great for college basketball. I think it's great for the health of the sport. I think part of the reason why the sport doesn't garner the national level of attention that I feel like it deserves to the quality of the basketball in which we've seen play is that it's become so regionalized. You know, like, oh, it's, it's, it's an East Coast thing. It's an East Coast thing, you know. Oh, well, the Midwest, and they care about the, the Big 12, and, and that, that's it. 
now that you get the West Coast back on track, everything starts moving forward, and and it, it, it it's it's bigger. It, it's the the reach of the sport is is wider, and I think that's all encompassing, and I think that's better for the sport. I think it's certainly better for the West Region of the United States. And my biggest hope for the Pac-12 schools, and then this hasn't been a problem for Gonzaga, but when when students are back, when fans are back. I, I would love to see Polly Pavilion packed and rocking and supporting the team that just came out for the Final Four. You know, I'd like to see USC get a bunch of fans in and go, you know, yeah, we, we missed out on Evan Mobley. But, man, how awesome was that run last year? We're going to come out. We could do that again. We could we could maybe do that again and get get that level of excitement up because that's when basketball is at its best at the college level. Absolutely. And you just mentioned uh, your alma mater, US, or UCLA. They went from first four to Final Four, like you said. But they've... Won five games despite being outshot from the floor in four out of those five games. So how in the heck are they doing this? You know, they've done it in a variety of ways, really, if you look at this run. I think, obviously, last night they did it with elite-level defense. Uh, they, they only scored four points in the first ten minutes of that game last night, and then they ended up having the lead going to the half. And if you would have told me that was going to happen, I would have told you you lost your mind, given the fact that Michigan had played to the level in which they had. And, there's a narrative out there today, and I was watching a lot of shows on television as I sit in the hotel room and <laughs> quarantine and make sure that I'm staying away from everybody, um, that, well, they didn't have Isaiah Livers. I've heard that a bunch today. Well, you know, they, they played without Isaiah Livers. UCLA's played a majority of their season without Chris Smith, the only guy on their roster that was thought to be any wor- even close to being worthy of an NBA pick. They played the last half of their season without Jalen Hill, who would have been their starting center. They played the entire season without Deshaun Nix, who was supposed to be their most highly touted and most coveted recruit that they had, because he decided to play for the G League Ignite. So don't, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, and, and look, I get it, as Isaiah Livers is there, that makes a huge difference. It does, but so would Chris Smith, so would Jalen Hill, so would Deshaun Nix. So you, you, you can't use that as an excuse, certainly against a team that's an 11 seed that had to play their way all the way in. But I, I, this is what I think happened. UCLA literally lost the Pac-12 championship on two out-of-bounds underneath. They lost against Stanford on a backdoor cut with .6 seconds left. Lost that game in Santa Cruz. And then they lost to USC on a buzzer-beating three-point shot on an out-of-bounds underneath. And I think because they lost the four games in a row where they held leads for a majority of all of those games, you get to the NCAA tournament, and now it allows McCronin to be like, guys, we've tried to do it with, by just outscoring people. And we're a we're good offense, but we can't simply outscore every single opponent. We have to get stops. We have to commit to that in the floor. And in particular, Tiger, Tiger Campbell has become a much, much better defensive player at the point of attack. And because of that, and he's not getting beat off the bounce as much, it's helped them keep their shape and their form and not start chasing at the defensive end of the floor. And and I think that that has been the biggest improvement for them. Offensively, quite honestly, last night, they weren't good. They weren't good at all. Johnny Juzang was spectacular, uh, but the rest of the guys, they weren't. And they're fortunate that, you know, Johnny was able to go for 28 points. Uh, but overall, uh, they got it done last night by defense. They've done it in other games by scoring offense. I think you go back to the Alabama game, you see they scored 23 points in, in five minutes of overtime in that game, and they barely got to 23 points in the first half of the game last night. So that just kind of tells you that they have the ability to do it in different ways, um, and they just have to continue to make the, the right adjustments as they prepare uh, to move forward now. 
You've seen Gonzaga obviously a bunch of times this year, so you are aware that they are going to be quite the mountain to climb for UCLA. So what has to go right for them to compete with Gonzaga for 40 minutes? Because basically nobody has been able to do that all season long. Um, you know, uh, look, it, here's, <laughs> here's, here's the problem, right? I mean, like, if we're just full disclosure, like, look, you know, as a Zags fan, I'm, you watch the broadcast. I, I thought in late December this was going to be a team that was going to go undefeated and win a national championship. Right. Just because they're playing against my alma mater and the team that I wore a uniform for, I don't have any reason not to believe that that's still the case. You know, that doesn't mean that my heart isn't being pulled in a different direction. It is. Um, but the problem with this game for UCLA is I think it's going to be very easy for Mark Few and the coaching staff to try to scheme and take away Johnny Juzang. That's the focus, right? If you're, if you're going defensively against UCLA right now, the guy has 108 points in five NCAA tournament games. It's the most by any Bruin not named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in their first five NCAA tournament games, and that includes Bill Walton on that list. Okay, So that's how elite Johnny Juzang is. But you take those points away, where's UCLA's offense right now? Can they score enough points, even if they try to take the, the air out of the ball? And that's, that's the question I have, because they're going to clearly slow it down. You talk about pace of play, it's like 319 in the country for UCLA. They're very methodical in how they approach the offensive end of the floor. And so they have to not turn the ball over. They have to be able to make shots in late shot clock situations. And then they have to be able to get back and set up their defense. That's a lot. Okay? Even with that being said, they have to get back and set up in their defense, and then you have to figure out how do you defend. Like last night they went one-on-one with Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson didn't blow – like was not able to – to dominate the paint the way that I thought that he should have dominated the paint in a one-on-one matchup. Um, Drew Timmy will. So if you go one-on-one with Drew Timmy and you give him space, what's he going to do? He's going to do exactly what he did to the Mobleys. He's going to do exactly what he's done to every other team, especially down the stretch of the season, to the level in which he's playing, which is just at a ridiculously high clip. If you double-team him, we all know what that's going to do. Now you're back-cutting. Now you've got Ayayi back-cutting. You've got Kispert spotting up. You've got... You know, Suggs back cutting. You've got Nemhard moving without the ball and relocating, and defensively now you're scrambling and chasing. So you, it, the difference is you can you can scheme for UCLA right now and take out Johnny Juzang, and I think you feel comfortable if you're Mark Few and you say, okay, hey, listen, we're going to make sure Juzang doesn't get any, and we're, we're we're we'll just do us at the offensive end. But if you're if you're Mick Cronin, you can't just focus on Drew Timmy and say, okay, let's take Timmy out of the equation. Jalen Suggs almost had a triple double last night. Oh, okay, so we're going to scheme for Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy. Oh, okay, but then there's the first-team All-American that we haven't even mentioned yet. That's the difficult thing with Gonzaga, and that's how elite they are. And, you know, I was talking to Coach K earlier today, and he, he thinks that this, and I agree with him, it's, and I've said this throughout the course of the year, this is one of the best passing teams in recent history of college basketball. Like, the last 30, 40 years, this is an elite-level passing team. And it's not just the passing of movement of the ball, it's also the man movement, the movement of the bodies. How they keep their shape, how they're 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 cutting and they're playing with freedom within the offensive set, but they're not they're not getting too close to each other where one person can guard two. They know how to move and they're on a string and they're keeping the distance away from each other. They're keeping their shape even as they move, they cut and they read what the defense is giving them. And that freedom that Mark and his coaching staff has allowed this team to play with has made them a historically great offensive team. 
not to discredit UCLA or Houston, but the game that everybody's pretty much won it all season long is Gonzaga and Baylor. And it seems like they've been on a collision course. I think we kind of got lucky that they didn't play in December and we can get that game in the national championship. How good would that game be? Uh, well, look, there was, you remember the book that was written about the Kentucky-Duke game uh, when Le- on Leitner shot, and it's the last great game, I think is the title of it? Mm-hmm. They might have to rewrite the book. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it could be that great of a game. Uh, you look at Mitchell, Teague, Butler. I mean, they have a host of guards that they can play out on the perimeter with. Um, and that would be a very interesting matchup. They match up physically and athletically very well with Gonzaga. And we hadn't seen a team stay number one and number two this deep into a season ever in the history of the, of the AP Associated Press Top 25 poll where they didn't even switch positions. We had number one and number two back in 67-68 with UCLA and Houston, but they played each other and they flipped. They flip-flopped because Houston won the matchup in the regular season. Um, and they, they still remained one and two, but they, they just changed position. They didn't change position all season long until after that COVID pause when, when Baylor came out and didn't quite, honestly, did not look like the same Baylor team. Now, they have looked outstanding so far here in this, this NCAA tournament. I, I, I do not think that it is a walkover by any stretch of the imagination against Houston. I think Houston's backcourt, I mean, this is the one thing you look at this NCAA tournament in this Final Four. The three best backcourts in the country are in the Final Four. Yep. And, and, and for people that haven't watched Houston, because, oh, they're in the American, and that's not a great conference, that's fine. But you look at Quentin Grimes, Dejon Giroux, uh, Marcus Sasser, they really can defend, and they can really be physical, and they can really make you uncomfortable. Now, they're stepping up in weight class here because the way the bracket broke down, they played nothing but double-digit seeds all the way through to this Final Four. And they're going to step up now. But I anticipate that Coach Sampson's team will be very physical. I, I think that this game is going to be grueling to watch. I think it's going to be a grinder. I do not think it's going to be easy for Baylor. I would not be totally shocked and surprised if Houston won the game. Um, but Baylor is a better offensive team. They shoot the ball better. Uh, they've proven it over time. And they're as, as, as good at the defensive end as Houston is. And they can be as physical as Houston can be. So how that plays out will be this, – this kind of will harken back to me to the Texas Tech-Houston game earlier this year where it, was, it, was, it wasn't really pretty to watch. It wasn't a thing of beauty, but, man, it was intense and, and very physical, and I think that's how this game is going to play out between those two teams. Uh, I do not anticipate that it will be a very physical game versus UCLA versus Gonzaga. So I do believe that that could help out Gonzaga moving forward to a national championship game. But, yeah, we get that game. You're talking about number one and number two in the country all year long. I don't care what the final polls say or how it was all broken down and all that stuff. That's fine, whatever. But I, I just know what I saw in my own eyes. By the middle of December, everybody in the country was saying, man, I wish we could see this game. And if we get it, it'll be the most anticipated national championship, in my opinion, in at least the last 30 years of college basketball. Absolutely agree. And I think the one thing I wish more than anything else is that the place could be packed full of 70,000 fans instead of 17,000 fans. So um, we'll see We'll see how it goes on Saturday. Before I let you go, uh, you've partnered with the Davenport after they named the famous spicy shrimp flatbread after yourself. And you guys have been doing something very cool with the proceeds. Explain your partnership with them and how awesome they are. 
Uh, yeah, you know, the Davenport Hotel was really surprised me earlier this year when they uh, they, they, they renamed it after me. Uh, obviously, you know my – any Gonzaga fan that's listening to this knows how much I love the Davenport. And it's authentic. It's real for anyone that asks. Like, the, And, by the way, they don't give me upgrades on my rooms when I go there. <laughs> they don't give me free food. Like, I buy everything that I get there. I'm not paid for marketing from the Davenport. I just genuinely love it because it, it's kind of like my cheers. You know, for, for people that are old enough to remember the show Cheers, where everybody knows your name. And I would walk in, and it just kind of makes you feel like home. There's something special and unique about Spokane and the basketball community uh, that supports the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And subsequently, when you're a broadcaster and you're up there as frequently as I've been over the last 11 years, you really do get to know people in that community. And I, I have phone numbers of people that are servers up there, and I check in on them and see how they're doing and how their family are. You know, I mean, it's just... It's a very unique bond that I have with the Davenport. So when they named this after me, I was extremely honored. And then as we got out of conference tournament, I said, you know what? What if we did something to give back just for the NCAA tournament for Coaches versus Cancer? I'm a, I'm a big part of Coaches versus Cancer. I'm a, I sit on the national council. Uh, and I called up Matt Jensen, who is their marketing director. I said, can we do something like this? And he goes, yeah, I think we can. Let me check. And so you know, he runs it up all the way up to the very top of the Davenport Hotel and the generosity of the Davenport was not just some of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds from any of the Farnham flatbreads that are sold during the NCAA tournament will go to fundraise money for Coaches versus Cancer. Uh, as of today, by the way, uh, I was told earlier today that three times the amount of any other flatbread has been the Farnham flatbread so far during the NCAA tournament. It's, it's amazing to me. Um, and I'm so appreciative of the great people of Spokane that have gone and supported this. Um, and my hope is that they will enjoy it Saturday as they're watching a game. If you, if you, you, know, you can go Friday and Saturday if you want to. Uh, but definitely be there on Saturday and, and order the Farnham flatbread and, and understand that you're going to watch a great game. You're going to see Gonzaga continue uh, to, to on its path for perfection. And you're going to help me raise money to fight cancer. And I, I think that's just a ultimate win-win. I'm very appreciative of all of Gonzaga Nation or Zag Nation uh, for their support in this already, and I hope that they, they take advantage in the final five days or six days here, whatever much we've got left. I can't, I can't even, I don't know what date is right yeah, now. To be honest I don't blame you. Neither um, do I. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and as we get to hopefully all the way through Tuesday, um, that that they're supporting this and they get there and order the Farnham flatbread and and enjoy it and enjoy uh, really what has been. I think Mark said it great last night. You know, people keep wanting to talk about the undefeated season, and it's one of my things that even from being there in January for the BYU game. Uh, and talking about the undefeated season for this team, they never really wanted to talk about it, but they never shied away from it either. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's like they understand where it is. They understand that people on the outside are talking about it, but this team's sole focus wasn't on an undefeated season. It was on winning a championship. And in order to win a championship, you cannot look forward and look past you know UCLA to look at Baylor or Houston. You just need to keep the focus on 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes. And the most amazing aspect out of all of this is that this team has done that in a global pandemic without that great student section, without that great community supporting them uh, inside the building. Um, but I, I appreciate their support with the Farnham Flatbread, and I encourage anybody that listens to this, head on down to the Davenport. Even if you don't want to watch the game down there, pick, order it, pick it up, take it out with you, and take it back home. Order a couple. Order a couple. Bring it for like the the whole family that's going to be watching the game, or friends that are watching the game together, uh, and bring it back to your house and and enjoy it, and just realize that you're helping me fight cancer. Uh, so very appreciative of, of Zag Nation, uh, the Davenport Hotel, and their generosity in helping me with this. 
um, and making sure that we're accomplishing something good during this month of March as well. Very good. Sean, I know you're busy. I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy the game on Saturday. No worries whatsoever. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm so lucky and fortunate that I'm here in Indianapolis and will be able to watch it in person and really enjoy it. Again, a big thank you to Sean Farnham for coming on the show. He is seriously one of the nicest human beings in the industry. Uh, I remember probably eight or nine years ago at this point, uh, he came in and talked with one of my Gonzaga broadcasting classes, and he was just fantastic. I've interacted with him a few times on shows that I've worked when he's been in Spokane for ESPN, uh, and we've always had really, really friendly interactions. He's just, he's a really good dude, and so is Dave Fleming. And for me, the two of them are one of the best announcing duos in any sport nationally. Um, And I think Gonzaga fans are very, very lucky that ESPN gave those two guys the WCC package this season. Um, And I think it's even cooler that uh, Sean Farnham's kind of this year-long running bit about the spicy shrimp flatbread has turned into uh, a fundraiser for cancer research. So I appreciate Sean coming on the show. He's very, very kind with his time. That is going to do it for today. Tomorrow, Evan Miyakawa will join the show. If you don't know him, his analytics have gone widespread this season, and Gonzaga, like all analytics, Gonzaga is absolutely dominating them. So he'll be here to discuss exactly what his website is, what it means, and the historic numbers that Gonzaga is putting up, both as a team and individually. Once again, thanks to Sean Farnham for his time. You can follow him on Twitter, at Sean Farnham. Don't forget you can rate and follow Locked on Zags wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel like it, feel free to leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo, that's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. And you can follow the podcast at Locked on Zags. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. And always remember, it is a great day to be a Zag.